Good evening, guys, and welcome to episode eight of the Purple Sector podcast. There's lots coming up in the next few weeks. This Wednesday, we are with the one and only Frank McAvenny. Then on Monday, the 25th, we are with uh, Portsmouth striker Vincent Pericard as he talks about the legendary 2003 season. We're then with former WBC champ Robin Reed on June the 1st of, uh, on the Monday. But tonight, very much looking forward to this indeed. We introduce a guest who joined Arsenal as a boy, making his debut in 1990. He made 143 appearances for the club, winning the First Division, the FA Cup, the Coca-Cola Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup. He left Arsenal in 1996 to join Pompey, where he remained for three years. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce Mr. David Hillier. David, how are you? Good evening, Kieran. Yeah, I'm fantastic, mate. Um, just, you know, keeping myself locked down, safe and um, just <laughs> waiting for the doors to open so I can release myself back into football. Well, there you go. There you go. It's never too late, is it? It's never too late. So there you go. Um, okay, let's let's go back to sort of the very start then. Um, I mean, please tell us about your time growing up in, in South London and your time um, prior to and joining uh, Arsenal Youth. Well, I suppose as a, as a kid back then, you know, you only had um, so many toys, didn't you? And the one that didn't wear out the quickest was a football. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you could get out on the street with it. And, and, and that's what we did. We, you know, I started off in school probably four or five um, before I actually kicked a ball, wasn't really, you know, a little toddler into football. And then my caretaker at the school run a little Friday afternoon football club, and uh-huh. I, I, f- I found my love for the football, and and that was it. You couldn't you couldn't stop me. Absolutely, absolutely. Many hours spent uh, kicking the ball up against the wall, perfecting yeah. skills and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I did did all the Coca Cola skills by the time I was like seven in the first two years. So I did. <laughs> I think it was called black, silver, and gold back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went into the primary school, the caretaker had tipped the sports teacher off and said, you know, you want to have a look at this kid. He's, he's, he's like kind of, he, he's picked it up really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, when first year, I, I mean, I'm going back to old school. It's not year 11, 12 and all of that now. I'm talking, yeah. uh, you know, first year upper school, sort of seven year old. Yes. Um, got in, got in the school team and the very next year at eight, the, the, the um, PE teacher made me captain of the school team. Mm-hmm, so I was mm-hmm. three years younger than everybody else. And, and from then on, I just, you, you couldn't, you never saw me without a football. Never saw so me. So you're an eight year old, you're an eight year old bossing all the 11 year olds around. Yeah. Well, I wasn't bossing them around. My brother was 11. <laughs> so he done the bossing. right? <laughs> I just, I just sort of took the accolades as it was. And, but you know, the, the thing was I could play football mm-hmm. and I did kind of get it. Yeah. Um, and and I loved it, and I loved it, and and that, that was where it really all began for me. James Wolfe Primary School in Greenwich, South London. Fair enough, fair enough. So we go to the time where you uh, you join Arsenal, and um, I don't know how far this goes back, but yourself and Kevin Campbell joined about the right at the same time, didn't you? And grew up together through the Arsenal system. And there's quite a lot from South London. I mean, if, if you look at the likes of Rowcastle, Ian Wright, yep. Paul Davis, etc. Um, Thomas, did you come yep. through with Kevin Campbell? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean. Me, me and Kev, actually, before we joined Arsenal, we played in a Sunday league yeah. um, called the Mercury League. Mm-hmm. And Kevin played for a team called Four Fields, which mm-hmm. came from Camberwell. Yeah. I played for a team called Camden United that came from Bexley Heath. And yeah. Kevin's team had, I think at the time, probably, I think it was about seven or eight um, and this, I'm talking under 11, under 12. So he had seven or eight players that were at pro clubs. Yes. And 
my team, Camden United, 11 out of the 15, 16 players yeah. were at Cholton or Millwall. Right. So we were both the, both the absolute top of our leagues. And, yes. and we, we met in finals, basically. Mm. So from, from 12, I played against Kevin in the, in the Black Cup final, in the, um, in the Mercury League final. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, that's why I changed from being a central defender to a central midfielder. <laughs> I couldn't keep taking the batterings from Kevin. But no. we, never, we never lost a final, though, Kieran, I must tell you. you that's know, very it, good. Yeah, yeah, it was kept. But that's something yeah, you remember to this day. Really we got really close. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good to hear. And and obviously you joined um, Arsenal uh, uh, together, came up through the ranks. So I mean, let's come to an absolutely momentous year now. Very recently, the eighty eighty nine documentary was shown, and uh, what a great watch that is. If anyone hasn't seen that, but what a year in Arsenal's history. Um, I mean. Um, as a young player by this time, knocking on the door of that team, I mean, describe the events of that unbelievable season and, and how much that inspired you to want to be a part of that for the following season. Well, well I, was, I was knocking on the door and we had, a, we had a fantastic season. We actually won the combination, football combination that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a reserve team, we was performing. I think our youth team that year in the South East Counties were first or second. I yeah. don't think they won it, but they, you know, so all three levels were performing and I was just on the cusp of the team yeah. Kevin himself was in it um, Alan Miller had, had made the squad um, mm. part of the youth team I grew up with but I was just missing out but I was I was still I was watching and learning Kieran yes. I was watching watching them go through what seemed like pressure games mm-hmm. but there there was never any pressure George Graham never put pressure on people he just you yeah. was a square peg for a square hole you had a job to do, and if you did that job properly, everything would work out. And you know what? He, he when he came in, he got rid of some great players, and it took some it took some bollocks to do that. You know, yeah. got, he got rid of Graham Ricks, he got rid of David O'Leary, he got rid of Kenny Sanson. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he got rid of some iconic players in the side and replaced them, didn't he? With Dixon, Bold, Winterburn, Marwood, Smith, and and and. I could see it growing and I wanted to be a part of that, but I was just, I, I just missed out. I was involved a little bit with the, um, the trouble at Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, uh, but I, again, on the cusp of the squad, but um, it was a fantastic achievement. I, I watched the game on TV um, and highlights, obviously, because we didn't have it live then. Yes. Um, it, it was momentous. And I just wanted to be a part of that. And, and to follow it up in the next couple of years. And it was just a great thing for, for what George brought to the club mm-hmm. and the way, you know, all those players you mentioned, the South London boys, he noticed little groups and he thought, I can use this, I can work them boys together. And everyone bounced off each other, the old and the young. Um, it was a great place to be. And, and it was at Highbury as well, which, you know, I've got an undying love for that, for that stadium. Absolutely. It was a special stadium and, and actually a very special team in, in 89. And we go sort of two years ahead now to uh, 1991 and, and, and another very special season, although in a very different way. It was a little bit calmer, wasn't it? No, none of the last day dramatics this time, but um, the almost Invincibles, the almost original Invincibles, only one defeat yep. the whole season away at Chelsea. Um, but you made your league debut against Leeds in, in September in 90. I mean, what do you remember of the debut and, and actually of that season as well? I, I just remember mud because <laughs> always the pitch was horrendous. Come 
end of September and, you know, you're, you're turning out against the likes of David Batty and, um, you know, you're just thinking, he's, he's, he's like top player at the moment. I've got to go out and, and, and you're just thinking, oh, can I do it against these players? And then you walk yeah. out and you hear, Leeds, 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 Leeds. And the whole stadium's rocking. And you know what? That's all I needed. That's all I needed. Went out there. And I, I loved it. I loved it. It, it. it was it was supposed to be the hardest part of the week, the game. You know, you train all week and the game is the ultimate. But for me, that was the that was the nice part. Yeah. That was the fun part. Yeah, that was the fun part. That was the cream. Um and when you got the shirt the following Friday morning when when your name was clipped up on the on the clipboard in the in the medical room, which it used to be at Colney, the the boss would put up the the squad, mm-hmm. everybody went straight in there and looked at it. You was looking for your name. Just you, you didn't know, even if you played brilliant the week before, that your name was going to be on the list. And that's what he kept fresh yes. about us. No one took it for granted in that side. And, and I think he set his stall out early, George Graham, with the three squads, youth team, reserve team, first team, made us all think the same, play the same. Even our throw-ins and corners were the same, Kieran. Yeah. Even so, that, so that if you made the the transition into the next level, you didn't have to change your mindset. You knew where you should be, um, and it was just it was just a buzz. But Leeds, scary place. Played there many many times. Um, took some batterings, but had some had some good fun there as well. Certainly later on in your career, uh, while in the Pompey shirt, had some fun there. Well, as well. I was going to mention. Oh yeah, I thought you might be sort of waiting for that. <laughs> but we'll come to that. We'll come to that. Certainly. After that, yeah. But this is over the gap. Yeah. This is probably um, this is probably a good time actually to to go through the best Arsenal eleven you played with. Now I'm looking forward to this. There's going to be some tremendous names in there, and I mean uh, some choices are going to be really obvious, particularly I suppose when it comes to the back four. But I mean, if we go to the four, the goalkeeper and the four defenders, what what were they like on and off the pitch? Well, well. First of all, Dave Seaman. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of, I kind of knew Lukey, John Lukey, before he before he left. And Reese Reese Wilmot was a goalkeeper at Arsenal, and Alan Miller mm-hmm. at the time. Um, but, but obviously for me, Dave Seaman. You know, ponytail. He came in. He was just like every housewife's dream, wasn't he? He was just like, but and he really was. He mm-hmm. was a lovely guy, really soft, gentle Northerner. But you wouldn't mess with him because no. he was six foot four, fifteen stone, and he could probably throw a right hook. Uh, but he used to, he, he used to command his his box like he like he did his life. You know, he he got a lot of respect from being quiet, mm-hmm. from being strong. Um, and but he did his job, Kieran. He just did his job. So you knew when that corner was coming over. If he shouted, keepers, get out of the way. They seem to come in. Yeah. Um, Absolute, absolute legend, but more so than football, just a beautiful guy. Yeah, yeah. Ab- ab- a really, really lovely guy, mate. Really lovely guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, we'll probably see him tonight on Harry's Heroes, won't we? That'll be on uh, tonight, I think. Uh, so it will, it will be chuffing. He's big, he's big laugh and all that. And yeah, he's, um, yeah <laughs> he is a character. Um, and he's never one to sort of hug the limelight either and I don't think any of us really were, were apart from the ones that needed to you know mm. you like to be in right and that the ones that were in there they used to take all the heat and most of us went under the radar <laughs> so I mean we'll go to the four, the back four then I mean yeah. I'm sure you know that kind of picks itself really <laughs> but uh, yeah. what were they like on and off the pitch individually 
Well, yeah, I mean, Dicko was very to the point. You know, he didn't um, he didn't take falls lightly. You know, if you if you kicked him in training as a young youngster, he'd let you know. <laughs> um, and if you didn't give him a good pass or you did something wrong, he'd let you know. Fair enough. But but a love lovely fella, hard worker, mm-hmm. very good player. And, and he developed when he came there, which was good, you know. And he was one of them players which he, he would always make a mistake at the first thing in the game. And sometimes as a defender, that would put you on the back foot. But Lee just, no, put out of his mind, mm-hmm. went on to the next one. That's why he played for England. That's why he talks about football now, because he knows about football people listen yeah. to him. Tony Adams, obvious, you know, he is Captain Invincible, isn't he? I mean, what he went through is his own life story and the things he was battling outside of football. Yeah. Um, Still be able to perform shows you how much love he had for the club, mm-hmm. and he respected every single person, from the person that swept the steps outside on a Saturday morning to the to the you know the chairman Peter Illwood and everyone above him. Tony mm-hmm. was Mister Arsenal. Steve Bold, um, obviously signed from Stoke. Well, hard mate. Well, hard. Don't. Don't fuck with Baldy. <laughs> but I like that. You know, it reminded me a bit of my dad, you know. Um, no nonsense, straight to the point. And also developed as a player, Kieran. He got better and better. And he was a good footballer. He was good with his feet. Yeah. Um, and, and Nigel Winterburn, um, crazy gang, obviously, came from Wimbledon. So although he's only little and there's not much of him, he's still a bit of a menace. Um, <laughs> And that was what we all prided ourselves on. Do you know what? Every single one in the team had, a, had an edge. Yeah. Everyone had an edge. Yeah. But we weren't big time about it. We didn't, you know, we weren't running around saying we was hard men or anything like that. We had an edge for the team. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the back four sorted. Yeah. Well, let's go to the four in front of them then. If we're playing a four-four-two conventional uh, formation, um, the four midfielders then, who, who would you have in your midfield? Well, Including well, yourself. Well, no, see, I couldn't do that. There's absolutely no way I could do myself. But the players I played with, it, it would be, it would be a travesty. And you know, I'm an honest fella. Um, square pegs for for square holes, like George Graham taught me back in the day. But you know, I'd have to have um, Dave Rocastle in there. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. When I look back at the videos of how good he was, I didn't know that then. Mm-hmm. I really didn't realise that he could ghost past players and just. You know, he's doing what what Mo Salah's doing at times. And yeah. look at Mo Salah now. You know, and I know Mo Salah's a forward, but Dave was a very attacking midfield player. So Dave Rocastle will be in there. Dennis Bergkamp, without a doubt, because it's going to be players I've played with, not my best all-time eleven, obviously. Um, on the wings, I'd have to have Anders in there. Yes. Because just, you know, he's, he's trickery. He kind of was one of the first to make that sort of impact mm-hmm. in, in, in our league yeah. from Europe. And he was a, a dream guy, funny, typically, typically Swedish, you know, <laughs> a little bit off his rocker, a um, little bit weirdo, but <laughs> uh, love him to bits. Still, still have really, really good connections with him now. Mm-hmm. So I'd have, I'd probably have him out on the left. Um, if I had Dave Rocastle out on the right, that leaves me one place in the middle. I'd have to put Mickey Thomas in there, wouldn't I? How can you yeah. not have Thomas in there for that go- just for that goal? But even in general, Mickey was silky as. 
as a footballer. He mm. was he had all the moves. He was he was a lovely player and and South London boy. So he gets in my team. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, there's only two left then, isn't there? And that's the two up top. Um, yeah, let's have it. Who's who's the two that go up top for you? Well, do you know what? I'm a loyal boy, Kieran, and it's, I'm going to stick with South London. I'm sorry, Alan Smith. Um, because <laughs> Mudger was a legend, spider. You know, he could bring a ball down from 10 foot in the air. Um, but it goes without saying, Ian Wright. Obviously, absolute off the wall. Um, just, just... It's almost like an ad-libber when he played football. You didn't really know what he was going to do. He didn't know. It just happened when it happened. Mm-hmm. But, but he always come up with a good, lovely fella, South London boy. Me and my family and his family you know, got on great and we had mm-hmm. great times. Um, you know, the next one, it's, it's a difficult one to put someone up front with him, isn't it? Dave Campbell. Yeah. Um, the, you know, Rambo. I grew up with him from a, from a lad and I watched him... I watched him get beasted by Pat Rice. Sometimes, unfairly, I thought. Mm-hmm. But, but Kevin always would say it's for the greater good. He'd go out, he'd be the only one dragged out to do extra training mm-hmm. and he did get better and he got better and better and better. And he's just a beast. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think, truly... Kevin fulfilled his potential. Mm-hmm. I think Kevin Kevin could have, if he'd have got any England squad, he could have done more damage. Um, he, he was like a like a Luther Blissett with a, more skill, yes. more raw skill, more raw power than I ever seen. He's a beast, and and he's me he's me bestie in football. So <laughs> that's that would that would be my my eleven that I played with. What an 11 that is as well. I mean, what's an outstanding 11? You'd be anybody anywhere would be hard pushed to beat that 11, certainly. But uh, I mean, in terms of managers, you, you, you were at the club uh, during the stint of three, well, no, four, if you include the caretaker, uh, Stuart Houston. But yep. George Graham it's, uh, was there for most of your time. Um, just, just describe him. What was, what was he like and, uh, in the dressing room and, and in general? So the easiest way to describe George Graham Gaffer. I don't even call him George. I can't call him George. I have to call him Gaffer if I see him now. Mm-hmm. Um, is remember when? Think back when you was all of the people listening. Think back to when you was. It's got really secondary school because that's when headmasters really you know came into it for me. You're eleven. You've gone to your secondary school. You're all fucking around in the class. The teacher can't handle it. And then the headmaster walks in and everyone shuts up, looks up, does their tie up, sits up straight. That's what George Graham brought to the club. Yes. Even players like David O'Leary would, would sit up straight in their chair, straighten their jacket and watch their language when George walked in. Um, he, had, he was a great disciplinarian, but he gave back. Mm-hmm. He gave back. He he pulled you to one side, told you when you was doing well, rewarded you. He would always give us a few quid for a drink after a game to go yeah. into the bar. If he wouldn't go in there himself. He'd say, "Go and have a beer. You done. You know you you played today. Regardless of whether it was good or bad, get in there." But he was honest. He never messed about. Mm-hmm. He never messed any players about, and he had a simple simple plan. Yeah. And, and and, and I think if you signed up for that, 
and you committed yourself, he gave back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, at that time, he'd, he, he kind of, it was kind of a long ball game, pick up the second ball, you know, win the ball in the final third. But the clever thing what he did was he managed all the players. He brought them players in, like I mentioned to you earlier. He yeah. built a team to do that job that way. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely worked. And, and for that, you know, I, I, I hold my hands up to him. He went to other clubs and couldn't do it. Absolutely. Because, because absolutely. of the personnel. Because he couldn't bring that thing together. So that makes me feel even more special. The fact absolutely. that he did it with my group and I was part of that. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 you could certainly say it works. Um, you know, in 1991, I mean, we go go back to that. It's two years on from '89, of course, but of course, you won the title from Liverpool by uh, by nine points in the end, um, only losing one game all season. This yeah. time, you were involved. How did oh, that feel this time? How different did it feel to '89? You you being involved, you being right in amongst it. Yeah, got me debut. Got me debut in the in the um, the Coca Cola Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, Chester early in the, early in the season yeah. due, to in, due to a couple of injuries really weren't expecting it and he stood by me you know he said you played well last week you've got the shirt this week and I was like really I, I didn't believe that I was keeping Paul Davis or Mickey Thomas out of the side and at times Dave Brocastle mm-hmm. but it was for what George saw in me that I could bring to the team yes yeah. and 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 um, so so yeah so that so that season was fantastic I think I played. 17, 18 games from the start, and 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 I was involved in in that 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 Chelsea game, and in an unfortunate way, really, because I get a lot of stick for it these days. Um, but Tony wasn't around. I mm-hmm. think everyone knows why. Um, he was he yeah. was, you know, serving some some time. He was he was on no well no he was serving time for something he did that was wrong, <laughs> you know. And let's be honest, it made the man because when he come out of there, he changed. Mm-hmm. You know, so so sometimes it takes you to go to rock bottom before you can come back up. Yeah, in or there, <laughs> Boldy was a bit poorly. Me and Andy Linigan um, ended up being centre halves that day. Yes, and I think it was Kerry. I think it was Kerry Dixon and Graham Stewart. I mean, Kerry was at the end of his career. Graham was a great player, good finisher. You couldn't give him a yard, but he weren't going to rip you to shreds. He didn't yes. have. Face, etc. So I wasn't too worried. And then Nigel Winterburn goes and makes a bloody mistake, don't he? And they score a goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's my disclaimer. Um, but yeah, so we didn't we didn't go invincible. But it was it was a dream season. I think we had more clean sheets than anyone else, though. I think that, yeah, I think sure. it was a record. And it might be close to being invincible as well. Um, so what a season that was, and uh, really good. North London derby. We can't let this interview go by without mention of any North London derby. Yeah. So your your first one, now, please correct me if I'm wrong, was actually the Charity Shield in 1991. I think that was your first North London derby. But were you even more eager than usual to be involved in that one? And in, in what way were the build-ups and matches different from, from all the others? Well, I've, I've got to correct you straight away, mate. I think my... Uh, when was that? 1991? Yes. So I think you'll find my first North London derby was in 1986 when the youth team played, because it don't matter whether you're... Oh, in OK, OK. Or even if you were schoolboys, Kieran, honestly, <laughs> when you play against Tottenham, you know what you've got to do. And we had Pat Rice was our manager. He yeah. been asked through and through as a player, as a coach, and he was he wound us up. 
in that first game. We, I've, I remember playing over at Tottenham's training ground and South East Campus game. First time I've seen a player break his leg in a game. Um, heavy tackle on a lad called Phil Gray that played mm-hmm. for Tottenham. Broke his leg at FEMA. Um, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it, honestly. It was just a bit late. Was this the same <laughs> but, girlfriend that ended up at Sunderland? Was that this same Phil Gray? I think it might be. I think it yes. might be Phil yeah. Gray. But, um, um, no, I'm only joking that it was me. But he did actually. It, it was, you know, there was so many tackles that were flying in that game. It was, it was horrendous. Yeah. And that's you up. And, you know, all, uh, you've seen players at Tottenham used to get a, a car for their 17th birthday off the club, a sponsored car. <laughs> Arsenal players got a card and an apple. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we was, we was playing for the badge. Um, yeah. so, so the rivalry started early, but yeah, North London derbies, as you said, my first real one was the, the charity shield. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember coming on at White Hart Lane, told by the gaffer to go on and Mark Gazza, he's running the game. And I ran over to the right-hand side. Gazza had the ball. Nutmeg me. <laughs> Straight away. Oh, no. Yeah, but, but he went off the pitch first. He didn't get the ball around the other side. I see. Um, and, yeah, I, it's just, you know, it's Bristol City, Bristol Rovers, isn't it? It's Portsmouth, Southampton. It's Arsenal, Tottenham. It's, there's no one's going to give. And it, no. football goes out the window. It's, it's, it's all for the fans. It's nothing to do with the pitch or the result. It's just battered at that team for the fans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I mean after the um, 91 FA Cup semi I mean you got uh, you very much got your own back at Wembley the return fixture 1993 another semi-final against Tottenham although this time the result was uh, was very different now what do you remember of this game and uh, you had a little pivotal role in the deciding goal as well didn't you well you made a little step over yeah yeah, I mean, when I when I look at it now, all, every Tottenham player's eyes go to the right, <laughs> and no one picks up Tony Adams. So I, I virtually scored the goal, didn't I? I mean, uh, <laughs> that's right. No, well, yeah, I, I just remember. Um, I just remember when I came off the pitch. I got to tell you, I'll be honest. Now I scooped up a bit of turf because I wanted to take a bit of Wembley home for my mum. Yeah, and she grew it in a little pot outside her house for, for about a year. <laughs> It ended up filling the pot up, so she had it. So, so I was just a fan playing football at Wembley. It was mad, it was crazy. And, but like I said, George drilled us so well that when you crossed that white line, you had a job to do. And I was focused on the job. I was never ever, when I was at Arsenal, focused on how well I would come out of that game looking, how well I played. I wasn't interested in missing out on some of the play because because at times that that game in particular, I think Vinny Samways was playing in that game, and I was I was yes. marking Vinny, um, and the gaffer had said to me, "Listen, you ain't going to be able to go short for the ball to get it off the back four because you you got to be marking Vinny, so you're going to miss out on you might have ten touches today." And I said, "If that helps the team win, that's that's fine. I'll mark Vinny and I'll I'll stay with him." Mm-hmm. Um, so for me I had, it, I had a game in my head that I was playing um, and I was doing what the boss said yeah um, so although it was at Wembley although it was a big game um, and it was Tottenham it's another day at the office but it's not till you look back sometimes 10 years later and my heart beats like crazy and I think wow mm-hmm. you know 
what a step over. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, as you say, it's, uh, you know, six or seven white shirts went, went, went the wrong way, didn't they, as a result of that? But, I mean, we stay on 1993 because, of course, that led to an amazing sequence of events, really. Um, two finals, two cup finals against Sheffield Wednesday. The first yeah. one was, of course, the Coca-Cola Cup final. But, I mean, for you personally, you missed both finals then through injury, didn't you? I mean, after a good lead season, how hard was that to take personally? Yeah, it was it was really hard because I was in I was in really good shape coming up towards that end of that season. Sometimes, you know, throughout my career, I, I always got really well prepared for the season, but the season sometimes took its toll on you. And I, I picked up injuries previous seasons in the sort of Feb's, January's, and and that that had seen me off. But I was I was looking to sort of, you know, hopefully progress on, and then yeah, played at Southampton. And the old curse struck, Jimmy Case. Um, yeah, and I had, I had some stitches and, 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 and that was it. Didn't end up playing in the cup finals. Yeah. Tore my knee ligaments. Um, really disappointed. But on the flip side, I got to drink two bottles of champagne before the game even kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> and we went back for a replay, which made it even better. So we had two visits to this. But such was the intricacies of the FA Cup at that time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, it was replay until it was settled, wasn't it, really? I mean, replay. Um, but uh, um, I mean, first of all was the Coca-Cola Cup final, um, which was settled the first time around. Um, the aftermath was just as dramatic as the match itself, really, uh, for, for all the wrong reasons, I suppose. But, uh, I mean, what do you remember of the match and, and, the, aftermath it, and the aftermath as it was? Well, I was, I was obviously sitting in the stand. Um, yeah. And we'd, we'd won the game and, and it was just... When I saw Steve Morrow fall, yeah. I knew, it was really weird because a couple of weeks previous, Tony had scored. Mm-hmm. And I jumped on his back and he dropped me, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't fall on my arm or anything. I just sort of slid off him, you know, I kind of gripped <laughs> on it off. And it was weird. I saw the same thing happen. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't move, Stevie. And I, 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 was, I grew up in the, in the youth team with Stevie. And, you know, obviously yeah. we had, a, we had a, a bond. We was youth cup winners together. Um, and he's a very quiet lad. And, and I knew something was wrong straight away. I was actually coming down the steps when that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, got onto the got onto the pitch at the end, and when I when I could see what had happened, it was devastating. Yeah. You know, to see to see what had happened. But on the flip side of that, everybody thinks I'm Stevie Morrow at the you know for the last twenty years. So I get a lot of people saying to me, "How's your arm? How's your arm?" Tony <laughs> dropped, and you know, I went, "No, that weren't me. That was Stephen Morrow." But. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a little bit surreal, a little bit killed the vibe, really, because in the dressing room, you're buzzing, but you know Stevie was hurt. Gary Lewin said he's hurt bad. You know, he's, he's fractured his arm, he's dislocated his elbow, his shoulder, done the lot. Um, so kind of kind of took the shine off it a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. We then go to about a month later and there was another final at Wembley, the small matter of the FA Cup final against the same opponents, Sheffield Wednesday yet again. Now, you mentioned it went to a replay. I mean, it was a one-all draw um, in the first uh, first uh, portion of it. But five days later, the replay happened. Um, again, describe what happened in this game and, and your own emotions with the winning goal in the 119th minute, would you believe? Yeah, I know. It's like you sort of... Cause 
I'm not even sure would it have gone to another replay. I think it would have. I think it would have gone to a second replay. You know, I don't remember this. Would it have been to a replay or to penalties? I, I, I can't actually, I genuinely can't remember. I, I've, I've got a feeling you had two replay. I mean, sure, I'm sure someone will put us right. And the, yeah, the, yeah, the, absolutely. Tweet us and tell us um, what's going on. But yeah, it was, it was another, obviously, Chef Wednesday had had a, you know, a, a kick in the, the month before mm-hmm. and came there look, looking for a battle. And it was a tough game. It was really tough. Um, I've got a feeling it was a Wednesday. I don't know why it was. I, something says that all the games were played on a Tuesday, but the the, fight, the replay was on the Wednesday. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird. I, I actually remember going back on the coach more than I do the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, because all the players went back on a separate coach, but the people that wasn't playing went back on another coach. And oh, there, was only, okay. there was only three players that weren't playing and they all went black back on the coach with all the other lads' wives. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so there's three of the lads on there, and obviously all the wives are celebrating. They're all on the juice. The champagne's flying, and everybody on the coach is going. <laughs> and um, yeah, so when we got back to the club to pick up our cars, it was it was sorry. We everyone's got to get taxis on here. No one can drive. We're all. Um, but but the game itself was. I don't know. Maybe. maybe I don't want to do it the injustice, but because it was a replay, Kieran, it didn't have the same feel. Yeah. Can yeah. I say that? You know, you want to win Wembley on a on a Saturday afternoon. Yes. A three o'clock kickoff with blistering sunshine and a midweek one just, just didn't do the vibe. But again, manager prepared us. Um, Andy Linnigan. Was it Andy Linnigan? It was Andy Linnigan, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it? Andy, Andy drilled one in, I think, from... From a corner bounce down, opening goal. Chris Waddle equalised, and then uh, Andy Linegan got the uh, got the order. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it was when that goal went in, you know, and it was unsung heroes. I think Stephen Morrow in the FA Cup final got the. Did he get the goal as well? Yes, he did. He the goal that won that, and I think I think Andy getting that goal. Andy was my roommate as well when we when we went up to away games. Um, he's not the best roommate in the world because he pisses on you when you're drunk. When oh, he's nice. drunk, sorry. <laughs> he can't find the toilet, but I'm sure all your listeners will find that funny. Um, so I always used to, when he used to come in at like three o'clock in the morning, I'd be under the court thinking, not tonight, Andy, please. And I'd just turn him around and walk him into the shower. But, but I digress. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the final was, was nice for me because I was in a team of stars and the likes of myself, Andy, Steve, Ian Selly, Eddie McGoldrick, Jimmy Carter, people like that who went under the radar, still played a big part in, in, in making things happen. Yes. Um, and I was, I was super pleased for Andy. He, he deserved it more than anyone. Lovely man, hard as nails, mm-hmm. but, but soft as putty as well. You know, lovely northerner. Um, still great friends with him today. So I, I've got great memories from back then. Fantastic, fantastic. I mean, actually, some of those uh, unsung heroes you mentioned uh, played a major part again in the uh, in the Cup Winners' Cup um, uh, final some sometime later. But ninety three, ninety four, Arsenal finished fourth in the league. I, I saw a very interesting stat, by the way, David. You played fifteen times, I think, in the league that season, and oh. Arsenal only lost once with you in the team that season. So that's a good stat to take away there. But um, that's, well, I, I kept saying to the gaffer, "You got to play me." <laughs> that's right. That's right. Don't lose. You got to play. Yeah, I was. I, you'll probably find I, was, I had a few injuries. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always difficult, you know, when you've had great seasons to, to come back next year because there's that expectation. And, 
And I think when we started getting towards 93, 94 with George, yeah. in all honesty, we was getting sussed. Our, our, our style of play was getting snuffed out. Um, teams were, were blocking the, the, the little areas that we used to um, isolate for ourselves, like sort yes. of in, in behind a fullback. So teams were, were, were learning to deal with that. And, and, and we got sussed. We got sussed in the next couple of seasons and things had to change. Um, and it was unfortunate, but, but that was the way forward. But that, that would then moved the game forward for the introduction of, of, of new players to the club and a new style of play. Yes. I mean, you say you were getting sussed domestically, but certainly in the, uh, in the uh, uh, Cup Winners' Cup, um, the very reverse was true. Because, I mean, you, you, you went through that like a hot knife through butter. And if yeah. I remember in the, in the semi-final in, in that Cup Winners' Cup, it was PSG in the semi-final. Now, they didn't have a bad front two, did they? David Ginola and uh, George Weir, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they, they, what do you remember they, about those two games on I your final? Didn't they also have a fella that played for Newcastle? Who was the... Um... Well, David Ginola was up front yeah. with George Weir. Um, uh, they had another fella that played for Newcastle, the crazy, the crazy black guy. No, uh, you're thinking of Palmer in the final and you're thinking of uh, Asprilla. Oh, I am, I am, I am. Georgie yeah, Wilkins. yeah. Uh, oh, that was the Wilkins. final. He yeah. was in the final yeah. team alongside yeah. some other legends, which we'll come to. But yeah, that's right. No, well, well, with the with the semi, it was funny because the semi, um, we we'd done a fair bit of work on that, and the gaffer said, "I'm only worried about one player," and that was David Ginola. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and he said to Lee Dixon, "Kick him in the first two minutes," and he went, "But what if he ain't got the ball, gaffer?" He said, "I don't care if he's got the ball or not, just kick him." Yes. And, and he didn't really get the ball for the first couple of minutes. So there was some sort of throwing down the side. The, the ball didn't get thrown to David Ginola, who got thrown to someone else, and Lee Dixon's booted him. <laughs> so, so, so Ginola's going, what's going on? Why are you kicking me? And Lee's, well, you know, just, it's my job. <laughs> you know? Ten minutes later, David Ginola gets the ball. Oh, Lee, Lee absolutely hoofs him up in the air, doesn't he? And that was <laughs> it. End of David Ginola. Didn't, he, he just played short all the time, didn't get involved. And I think he'd admit himself to the day that um, Lee played him out of the game in the first 10 minutes. But, but really, George did that. You know, the, the gaffer did that. Um, yeah, big, big, big game. Um, big, big stadium, big teams. Different style of football as well to what yes. we were used to. So a lot of chasing around for me um, and not a lot of seeing of the ball, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, it was a game that, uh, well, a, a tie that Arsenal won over the two legs. Um, but the one major uh, blot on it, and I'll say two major blots on it. First of all was Ian Wright. Now, I remember today's reaction when he got the booking in the, in the second leg because it meant, of course, he couldn't, couldn't go into the final. Yeah. Slightly more under the radar was, was you, uh, semi-final. And again, you weren't to know it at the time, but, but you weren't to make the final against Palmer either. I mean, how did that feel on the sidelines w- watching that game play out, knowing you could have been there? I think previously I'd, I'd suffered injuries and missed out finals. Mm. And I think you, you learn very quickly to accept that, that football can, can switch on a, on a knife edge. You know, one minute, one minute you're as fit as a fiddle running around. The next, the, the next minute you could have a broken leg. All yeah. right? so, and I've been a footballer for not just since I was 16. I've been a footballer since I was eight or nine, I knew that disappointment is part of the game. 
Um, and it's part of life. That's the way I was brought up. South London boy, you know, if you're disappointed, try harder. Um, so, so, you know, if you lost out, work harder. And it was just a case of, you've got to pick yourself up. You've got this, I had an, I had an injury, um, I think to my ankle that I'd picked up against Torino. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, had, I actually, it was, I think Torino was the quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked the injury up. Um, home leg. Yeah. Played Torino away. Played against, um, was it Carbonero? 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 Oh, I can't think his name. Cannavaro. Fabio Cannavaro? No, it wasn't Cannavaro. He played no. for Torino. Um, he, he was a young lad, one of their top players. I'm, I'm, I'm crap with names. I wish I was crap with names. <laughs> but, um, the only one I'm worry about. Oh, Car- Benito Carboni. Oh, Benito okay. Carboni. That's how he joined Chiffle Wednesday. Right, Carboni, yeah. yeah. So before Carboni was there, he, he, he played for Torino. Yeah. He played like a, a, in, a, in a false nine position. Mm-hmm. I played sweeper out in Torino got man of the match, was drilling balls left, right and centre, was, oh, I had the dream game. It was like no pressure on me. I could, even my dad said you had a good game and you know you played well when your dad says, you know, yeah. you played well. <laughs> and home leg, 10 minutes in, I don't know whether they targeted me a little bit and said, you know, just, but we had a throw in and the guy just studied me in man call. I went off to get it stitched. I had five stitches put in with no no anaesthetic or nothing, no local in it, just to try and get me back on the pitch. Yeah, it really did. They gave me a sock to bite on. I mean, that was it in the dressing room. Gary Lewin come in and said, Dave, you can't go out with that. You've got a, you've got a two-inch gash on your ankle. And yeah, I was devastated. But like I said, I've been through it before, Kieran, and just wanted to support the team fully. And the gaffer said to me, and this is what made him who he is, he said, you will not miss this final, Dave. You will come... You will you walk every step with this team up to the final because you played a big part in it and yeah and 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 I did and I did and, and I, I enjoyed it as if I played in it. That's fantastic. That's fantastic to hear. So we'll go to that final, which was in Copenhagen, a place actually we should be going this year, uh, but for uh, what's going on out there. But um, it was in Copenhagen. Palmer, of course. What a team at the time. I mean, it included Australia as we've already touched on, but also Gianfranco Zola. Thomas Brolin, um, Apolloni, who played in Euro 96 at the back for Italy, and um, the right-back, Benarivo. So some, some names in there. Um, what are your memories of a truly special night? Well, for, first of all, it was, in, it was in Parma, and we've been there a few times um, with, the, with the gaffer of pre-season trips. We, we've been around. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I suppose memories of the night sitting in the stand. Again, <laughs> usual memory of a final. I mean, it's, it's quite funny. Um, you know, I've been at that club, played, won loads of medals, but I'm a jinx in a final. So it, I knew that if I weren't playing, the, the team had a, had a decent chance of winning it, Kieran, to be honest with you. But um, as again, again as, a, as, a, as a fan and a player, it's difficult sometimes because you watch the game as a fan. I watched the game as a fan. So I was on tenterhooks the whole game. If I was a player, I'd have probably been looking at it thinking, why is Ian Silly playing? I should have been playing. You know, I'm, I'm upset. I'm this, that and the other. But I wasn't. I was just really happy for the boys to go out there. I knew they had a job to do. To be fair, 
we didn't get a look in in the game. We didn't get a look in in the game. They played us off the park when it comes down to the football. But when Alan Smith struck that goal, and it was a mighty strike, it was just, I knew it was going to happen. It was 1-0. It was 1-0 to the Arsenal. And that's, that's what Arsenal do. It, you know, it, we knew how to look after a lead. And I knew that Ian Selly would have been drilled into protecting his back four, looking after the, the defenders, you know, just, he'd have worked his socks off. And we had the experience as well, Kieran. We had the experience of being in finals, knowing what it takes, knowing not to succumb to the pressure. We didn't care about stars because we didn't really have a team of stars. We had two or three stars in our team. That was it. So we weren't interested in their names. Names meant nothing. They was just something that the scout wrote down on a bit of paper and it had a couple of tricks next to it. Because that's all I used to get. It used to be like, um, Gaza loves a foot over, might nutmeg you or something like that. That's all I'd get. So all I'm, I'm targeting Gaza. And, and the lads were doing that in the game. Um, and it was, it was a pro performance. It was professional. And I never had any doubts. Never had any doubts. No, and, 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 and again, what a special night it was and, and what a great, good, good final. And, and, and of course, the right result. Didn't, uh, weren't tempted to go full kit then to, to get, the, uh, get the trophy. What do you mean go full kit? <laughs> John Terry style. Or, or do you remember David May in the Champions League final, 1999? Goodness, he, he wasn't involved in the final and uh, he was clamouring oh, over and above no, everybody. No, no, no. Weren't to do any of that. No, no, we weren't allowed to, see, because we, we had discipline. And, and this, this is what we... We, we, would, we would laugh at other clubs whose players would sit in their, in their players' box at a game in a, in a tracksuit or in their own clothes. Because if we went to a home game and we weren't in the squad, we wore a club suit. Yeah. And we wore the Arsenal tie mm-hmm. because just because you're not on the pitch don't mean you're not part of Arsenal. Mm-hmm. You know, don't mean you're not playing today. Of course. It, it don't mean you're not taking part. So, so, and, and, and a kind of, I think a kind of us, some of us older generation do frown upon that when we see the younger lads now sitting up in the stadium with the Dolce and Gabbana on and the Giorgio, you know, whatever on. And you're thinking, you're representing your club. You should be wearing the club gear watching. But things have changed. I'll get that. But um, no, I never had any... I was wearing the club shirt. I was wearing the cannon on my chest, Kieran. And everybody knew that. Everybody knew that. <laughs> Very good. Well, what a special night that was as well. And um, I mean, one year on, I mean, a, a great defence the title because, of course, it was another final. Another Cup Winners' Cup final. This one went slightly differently. And of course, it went to the 120th minute at 1-1. Now, you went from being a fan to an active player. You were on the pitch. Yeah. Naeem takes the ball and shoots the ball up into the air. What's going through your mind here? Because penalties is, is but a few seconds away, isn't it, at that time? Yeah, we'd, 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 we'd not, we hadn't banked on penalties. But when, when we were playing against European sides, we knew it was going to be 70-30 possession in their favour. Mm-hmm. So we knew we had to do everything perfectly when we had the ball. So in that 30% of the time, we've got to do everything. But also in the 70% of the time, we've got it be even more on the money. And we've done that. Mm-hmm. I think, I've got a feeling that, I've got a feeling um, I came on because 
Martin Keown headbutted Ray Parler on top of his head or something like that. There was some half time, I think. The, the official yeah, no. There yeah. was a collision. There was a collision between Ray Parler and Martin Keown. And I think Martin, Martin's chin hit Ray in the middle of the top of his head and split his head open. Wow. Okay. That's how hard, that's how hard Martin Keown is. He has <laughs> made a granite, right? He's made of granite. And um, yeah, you wouldn't want to run into him. He's not a nice fella. Love, love, he's a lovely fella, but you wouldn't, physically you wouldn't want to run into him. No. Um, so I came on and everything was going well. And then, yeah, a minute from the end, halfway line, and I, I got half a feeling I ran out there to close him down. Um, and he's just hooked the ball over his head. And then it was like slow-mo. It was like, it took probably about 15 seconds from that, for that ball to get from the halfway line <laughs> to over David Seaman. And I just thought, no. Well, I just oh, remember the ball was on it. It went so high, it went out of camera shot. The camera didn't even keep up with it. Yeah, and, and you know what? I've, got, I've kind of got a bit of sympathy for Dave there because... Of course. He'd, he'd been lobbed a couple of times. It wasn't the first time. I think Lee Dixon, Lee Dixon had done him from 25 yards at, at Stanford Bridge. I think Lee scored a own goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he chipped Dave Seaman that he weren't ready for. Um, and then I think Gazza had done one in the top corner from 30-odd yards, didn't he, in the, at Wembley? In 91. So, so there, was a, there was a few long-distance goals. But I think he just lost it in the lights. And he just took took his eye off the yeah, ball. Do, yeah. Um, uh, if memory if memory serves me well, it was one of them stadiums as well that had the lights in the corners, but also had them around the rim of the right. yeah. upper tier. So, you know, excuses aside, we should never have lost that game. But um, it did cost me a Gucci watch anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a very, very... I mean, what a defence of that title. I mean, so close to... to, to so rest. close, yeah. And we deserved it, Kieran. We deserved it to win that. And I yep. think Gus Poyet, Gus Poyet was in their side as well. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. I think, I think Gus, Gus played in that game. And um, I've been on a couple of trips with Gus since that, you know, on the old Masters things and bits and pieces when he's played for Chelsea. Yeah. And um, he can't believe they got away with that. He said... <laughs> that was penalties. He said... Their goalkeeper, he said, they might as well, he might as well have stuck his daughter in goal. He said, because we had Dave Seaman in goal and he was going to, he'd already saved them penalties against Sampdoria. Yes. Um, uh, uh, you know, Lombardo and saved penalties from the greats. Yes. So they, they didn't want to go to penalties and um, it, was, it was a sad, sad minute in my life. Well, Sampdoria scored two out of five, didn't they? In the in the yeah. shootout. So, so the odds would have been heavily stacked. In, in absolutely, absolutely. But, um, yeah. I mean, coming to the end now, I mean, you stayed at the club for another season, but the chances for you were now getting less and less. Um, yeah. George Graham, of course, left the club. Stuart Houston was, uh, was for a while. Um, but then came the arrival of Bruce Rioch. I mean, how did that impact on you and your playing time personally? How did you get on with Bruce Rioch? I didn't get on very well with Bruce Rioch. <laughs> um, he, he actually said, I mean, I've got to be honest, he was a bit of a twat. He, he loved himself. He, he I wasn't, I'm never into, if someone starts talking about their self or uses the words I, me, more than twice in the first minute I meet him, I'll switch off. Mm-hmm. And it was all, it was all about him. He would tell us how hard he worked to become captain of Scotland, captain of Derby, this, that and the other. I didn't want to know about Bruce Rioch. I wanted to know where Bruce Rioch was taking me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a few of the players felt like that. And we didn't get on great. 
and I think we clashed a bit. Myself clashed with him. John Hartson clashed with him. Um, and you know, all, all things said and done, the only really good thing that happened the, that year was Dennis Bird campaign. Yes, and um, and David Platt. I, 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 David yes. was a great fella, really fantastic player, model professional. Um, opened the eyes of, of some of us youngsters on how you need to be. Yes. Um, and yeah, Bruce just, it is what it is. It was just a, a part of Arsenal's history. I think they'd like to forget as well, to be honest with you. He didn't, didn't really bring anything to the table for me. He's very rarely talked about, when you're talking about the history of Arsenal, you know, you talk about George Graham and, and, and obviously Arsene Wenger, who we'll come to in, in a minute. But um, that's almost... I don't know. I suppose to the armchair fan, that almost a forgotten year. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's fair to say that. But, uh, I mean, for yourself, you were still at the club when Arsene Wenger replaced um, yeah. Rioch and came in for his first few days. Um, why do you think Arsene Wenger didn't give you more of a chance to fight, fight for a place in the team? What was happening at that stage? Well, I think, I think like many managers that come in, Arsene, Arsene as well, although he was like many managers in the fact that he would do his homework, mm-hmm. He was unlike many managers, as, as in he, had, he hadn't just done his homework, he planned his next two seasons. And, and I think he, he'd already brought Patrick Vieira in a few yes. months before that, who was injured at the time, who they stuck in the dressing room that I changed in. They let him change next to me. It was, it was almost as if to say, listen, you're on your way out. You know, <laughs> the players coming in. And, and I, kind of, I, I kind of felt it a bit. Um, I knew there was changes were on the horizon. Um, there was no, I never had any conversation um, individually with Arsene Wenger, although he was my manager at the time and trained me during sessions. And he didn't speak to every player in those first couple of months. He kind of sat on the fringes, but, but, but put on the sessions. Um, and my agent just said to me, you know, my agent Steve Cutner said, I've had a word with, with Arsene and he said, he's not really in the plans. We've had an offer from this little club, this tiny little club, tiny, tiny, tiny little club on the south coast <laughs> called Pompey. Yeah. And, um, do you fancy it? I was like, take me to Pompey. Take mm. me down there because I know that's going to be a great place and I, and I weren't disappointed. And I needed football. I needed football. I needed yeah. to play. And I was quite happy to, to move down there and, and join the Blues. You had some good times down there. Um... I mean, yeah, you know, I three, three years there. You know, three years there. I mean, it was memorable for, I suppose, the first season, very nearly getting into the Premiership playoffs um, shake-up and then, of course, some, some great cup victories. Um, describe your three years down at Pompey in a nutshell. Well, it was a whirlwind. It didn't even feel like three years. I, I, had, I was supposed to have three months in, in the hotel um, before I moved down there. And mm-hmm. it felt like the whole, the whole um, episode lasted three months. It was... It just flew by. We had, we had buyouts. I had Terry Venables turning up to games on a bloody plane on a lake. Um, <laughs> I had pre-seasons in Norway like you wouldn't believe with Terry Fennick and, and the likes of Sammy Igo and, yes. uh, uh, you know, some great lads, John Durning, Adrian Whitbread, Lee Bradbury, um, uh, Matthias Svensson. We went to the... the played Leeds and beat them at Ellen Road in the FA Cup. And, oh, I just had fantastic memories. Drums. First time I ever played a game where a drum was being beaten for 90 minutes was at Fratton Park. Um, yeah, it was, 
it was everything that I knew about football from being a young lad and a Millwall fan because it was terraces, it was old school, it was a wooden stand, mm-hmm. you know. Um, oh, it was just, it, the, the, the stadium was built into the houses, you know, yes. like Highbury, Highbury was built into the houses. Yes. Like Portsmouth was built into the houses. Fulham is built into the houses. They was the places I liked. Because Absolutely. It, it, Absolutely. That for me was football. It was stand up with loads. Of, and I'm going to sound really sexist now and I don't want to, but it was, it was a male dominated thing. You know, terraces full of blokes. Mm-hmm. Not that it makes the difference, but it was just that nostalgia. Yeah. And Portsmouth still had it. It's still got um, it as well, hasn't it? It's still got it. I mean, we were down there, uh, what was it? 15 to 18 months ago, um, watching actually, yeah. it was it was around March time last year, and uh, I remember they won 4-1. Uh, but it was like going back in time, wasn't it? Uh, uh, and you, you, you can't beat it. And it, It's something that I think the new stadiums don't have. Um, as good as they are, they don't have that that closeness, that feeling. Um, that's certainly what I felt. But we come to the end now. Um, how do you want to be remembered? by fans of Arsenal and, and even fans of Pompey. How, how do you want to be remembered in the game? Well, it'll probably disappoint fans of Pompey that I want to, I prefer <laughs> to be known as having cannons in my blood, but <laughs> I kind of have. Um, but you're always going to have one love, aren't you? Uh, you know, your first love, but you might marry someone else. <laughs> of course. Um, so, you know, my first love was Arsenal, but I married Portsmouth and I had an affair with Bristol Rovers. <laughs> so that's probably that's probably how I'd like to be remembered. But just you know, I think honest, hardworking, um, as I am today, you know, I still you know I still graft, um, and I'm a lover of football. I ain't into no politics. I've been on lots of podcasts, and I get lots of people asking me, "Well, what do you think of the Cronkies? And what do you think of this chairman doing this?" And I don't. It didn't bother me when I was playing. Why would it bother me now? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I watch football for 90 minutes. That's how long a game lasts. And I want to be entertained and I want to be involved in it personally. And I, and I can be. And that's, that's all I really want to be remembered as, as a fan. I'm a football fan who got lucky. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think, truth be known, 99% of footballers are football fans who got lucky. Because we all love the game way before we knew we was going to make a career out of it. Uh, so refreshing to hear that. It really is. It really is. I mean, just the last question then, uh, what are you up to now and, and what do you want to do going forwards? Um, but what are you up to these days, David? Well, these days I'm, I'm working as a firefighter in Avon um, mm-hmm. and kind of leaning towards maybe stepping out of that and and, you know, just going back to being me, um, doing my football stuff, media work, bits of commentary and that. Obviously, if, if this coronavirus <laughs> goes away and games can get underway again and people yes. can attend them, that'll be handy. Um, but uh, just, just, you know, just enjoying myself, feeling blessed, feeling, you know, lucky to have lived the life I've led, got a great wife, great kids. Um, and, you know, just, just lucky to be able to talk about football and people maybe maybe listen to a little bit of it and, and relate to it a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, but other than, other than that, you can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Instagram. But I'm not going to tell you any of it. You've got to find me. If you want me, you can have to <laughs> I, I know from first-hand experience how difficult that I am is. Well. I am out there. Um, <laughs> well, David, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about your, your, your career and, and very interesting answers and re very refreshing uh, stories. I can only thank you for that, David. David Hillier, thank you so much for coming on the Purple Sector podcast. And we'll see you again soon. Absolute pleasure, Kieran. Thank you. Thank you, much. David. Cheers. See you soon. Cheers, buddy. Cheers.